I know this post is going to get me killed, but I'm willing to die. I'm ready because I've always been about our people. I don't want them fooled anymore. They're going to tell all these big fake stories about me. Why are they going to do that? To try to cover up me exposing them. This was posted on Todd's Facebook page, Todd Littlebull, and followed by more posts of similar content. Another one read, quote, all of his helpers are threatening me, saying they're going to kill me. I'll post a picture of that too. I have screenshots of everything, end quote. And finally, you and your people are going to kill me. You and your guys are waiting for me. Hours later, Todd Littlebull the author of these posts on his Facebook page, was killed while sitting in the passenger seat of a friend's car. I'm your host, Catherine, and this is Murder and Mediumship. You know the deal. Before getting into our episode, private one-on-one readings are available on my website. They are recorded for you and sent straight to your email. And if you are looking for more of a mentorship with your gifts or learning to listen to your own intuition, then no worries. In February, another Intuitive Development 101 will be headed your way. If you're looking for a place to practice your gifts and get monthly tips and FaceTime together, then check out the Patreon tiers Intuitively Aligned, both basic and premium, where we meet twice monthly to work on our gifts, practice together, and connect with other like-minded souls. The basic tier is almost full, so don't wait. Okay, this week's episode is another twisty one. So if you're working on developing your intuition, see if you can surmise who was responsible for Todd's death before we get into the episode, because it's a wild one. 25-year-old Todd Littlebull of the Pine Ridge Reservation in South Dakota was clearly under the impression that someone was after him, but who and why? At the time, he was working under a medicine man by the name of Jerome LeBeau, Todd had always felt called to learn more about his culture and to work with the youth on the reservation to educate them about the old ways as well. Something that Todd was very passionate about was his work under LeBeau. According to Todd, this was something sacred that he had literally dreamt of doing before. He sought out LeBeau as a spiritual mentor who he had a lot of respect for. Medicine people in any indigenous nation are considered keepers of sacred knowledge, and as a medicine man, there's a lot of responsibility and power to be held. According to the Native Sun News today, this type of power has unfortunately been known to be abused or taken advantage of. Todd expressed on his social media that he believed what LeBeau was doing was not spiritual work, but instead that he was taking advantage of others looking to have a healing and spiritual experience. He alleged that LeBeau was accusing Todd of trying to have an affair with his wife, Tiffany. Days before his death, Todd made it his mission to expose every fraudulent activity that he had knowledge of pertaining to LeBeau. During a Lakota healing ceremony, Todd claimed that he was asked by LeBeau to blow whistles, shake gourds, and turn on little blue lights so that people would believe that the ceremony was legitimately spiritual and that spirit was with them during the course of the experience. It was after Todd explained his concerns to LeBeau about how inappropriate and disrespectful this was that, according to Todd, LeBeau then accused him of trying to have an affair with Tiffany. 
Not long after all this had happened, someone who will leave unnamed posted a threatening message to Todd's Facebook page, and it talked about Todd getting his. And I'll read this one, actually, in just a moment. But Todd then received a voice message in his Facebook messages from yet another individual. This one was posted along with the first threat, and that had read, You got an effing crosshair on your head, B, and you're going to get yours. Effing pussy. Better believe that. It seems that these people who were threatening Todd actively worked under LeBeau, and Todd was quite certain that his whistleblowing would do him in for good. He believed that he was still doing the right thing by bringing LeBeau's alleged fraudulent behavior to the light so that people could find authentic spiritual guidance instead of being misled by his pseudo-guidance. Todd wrote, So here I go on my journey home. I know they are everywhere looking for me. I love all of you, all the people. I want you to not lose your faith and believe in this way of life and prayer. Every altar isn't fake, but I know this one is. This, along with the previous threats, were posted around 11.36 p.m. on Monday, August 1st, 2016. And I want to take a minute to say, if your intuitive tingly senses are already going off, mine definitely were, and it's it's interesting what comes of this. Later that evening, Todd was out driving with two other men, his cousin Gary Littlebull and friends Jetson Eagle Elk. While they were driving towards Sharps Corner in Kyle, South Dakota on the reservation, two trucks drove past them. One of the trucks turned around and got behind Eagle Elk's vehicle while Todd was in the passenger seat and his cousin Gary was in the back on the passenger side. Gary had apparently fallen asleep, but he woke up when the car suddenly slowed down and stopped as the two trucks boxed them in and forced them to pull over. According to Gary and Eagle Elk, an unknown man got out of one of the trucks, walked over to the passenger window, put a rifle through the window, and shot Todd one time in the chest and one time in the head before turning around and getting back into the truck. Both trucks then pulled away and drove back out towards Sharp's Corner. Gary and Eagle Elk remained uninjured, and Gary had actually dove down into the car as Eagle Elk instructed him to when he saw the man approaching with the rifle. Another vehicle was driving by shortly after when Eagle Elk and Gary flagged them down and had them call the police. Todd was dead. Panic was running through the area like wildfire as news kind of came about of what had happened, and many people, logically so, assumed that this was the work of LeBeau and or his people. For five years, no one was arrested. And I couldn't find anything concrete to 100% verify this, but it looks to me as if LeBeau actually moved out of South Dakota altogether and went up to Alaska, where he ultimately passed away. I imagine his life was utterly destroyed, and some of you may be thinking that it should have been because he must have killed Todd, right? But if you're listening to this case around the time of its release in January of 2022, the United States is currently obsessing over a recent quadruple murder in a college town. Four students were brutally murdered in their apartment, and many people took to social media to talk about who they thought was responsible for the murders, talking about old boyfriends this and jealous people that many even accusing a specific professor of one of the students. Well, weeks after the horrific killings, an arrest was made, and it was absolutely none of those aforementioned people. In the midst of the allegations, though, the professor who was accused actually lost their job. They lost their livelihood. They lost their respect. People were hateful and threatening and cruel, and they became a danger to have on campus because of the hate and probably dangerous for them to be on campus. But they were not the ones arrested. All of that hate was directed toward them for absolutely no 
reason. They're actually suing a particular intuitive who refused to stop slandering their name, despite even receiving a cease and desist order from the professor's attorney. In fact, I think they received multiple cease and desist orders. My point here is this. LeBeau didn't do it. His life was turned upside down and he was targeted and looked at as a murderer. Maybe he was a fraud. Maybe so. But that does not make one a murderer when he actually had nothing to do with Todd's murder at all. More than a really twisted true crime episode, this is a reminder that everyone is innocent until proven guilty. At least they should be. And we owe it to humanity to not make allegations based off of the public knowledge that we have, remembering that often law enforcement has more information than we do, and it's not our job or in our best interest to make full-on accusations against others. Fight for what's right, but absolutely do not go out pointing fingers at people when you really have no idea. In January of 2022, U.S. Attorney Dennis R. Holmes announced that two men from Kyle, South Dakota, were charged in federal court with first-degree murder. This one may very well make your jaw drop. But on January 12, 2022, Stetson Eagle Elk was charged, and on January 13th, Gary Littlebull was charged. The two of them pled not guilty in August 2016 shooting death of Todd Littlebull on January 14th, 2022. Seriously, my jaw dropped when I read this. All of the threats, all of the posts, all of the whistleblowing, it was all part of Todd's plan to make it look as if LeBeau had him killed so that Todd could lead his people stronger in spirit than he could here on earth. And I want to be clear that I am not making fun of him for thinking this way. I am not poking fun at all. I am highlighting the fact that other people were ready to absolutely kill LeBeau over these allegations and over this mess that unfolded when he actually had nothing to do with his death. According to the Rapid City Journal and the factual basis statement that's signed by the defense and the government when a plea deal is, is written, on August 2nd, 2016, in the early, early hours of the morning, by the way, this is Todd's 25th birthday too, just so you know, he was born on August 2nd and he died on August 2nd. So on August 2nd, 2016, in the early hours of the morning, Todd Littlebull was shot in his vehicle on a highway that runs through Pine Ridge Reservation, Highway 2 toward Sharp's Corner, and this all took place on Pine Ridge Reservation. Earlier in the day, on August 1st, Todd asked Eagle Elk to come over. He explained to him that he wanted to have himself killed so that LeBeau would be investigated and all of his fraud would be uncovered. Gary just so happened to arrive during the meeting and became a part of the plan. See, Gary and Eagle Elk both looked up to Todd as a spiritual guide and leader. So while they were in a shed in the back of the house discussing the plan, feeling like they were doing a service to Todd and to their people, Todd showed them the rifle that was to be used. And it was around that very time that the three of them had looked up and saw three lights on the horizon. Eagle Elk believed that this was the creator telling him to go through with Todd's plan. The three of them got into Eagle Elk's car and headed towards Sharp's Corner. As they were driving, they saw another white light, this time just up the road, and took that as their sign that Todd was to be shot and killed where that light had been seen. As they got nearer to that location, Eagle Elk began to randomly pull on the emergency brake to create skid marks on the road. I believe he was trying to make it look as if they were being pursued or that something shady had been going on, trying to cover up what had actually happened. 
Once they arrived, Gary and Eagle Elk got out of the car and Todd rolled his window down just enough for Eagle Elk to get the rifle into the car. They wanted the window up as far as they could to prevent gunshot residue from ending up on Eagle Elk and potentially incriminating him. Eagle Elk then shot Todd once in the chest and once in the head while Gary stood by and did nothing to stop the scenario from unfolding the way that it did. His attorney expressed that Gary believed he was honoring Todd's wishes and allowing it to happen. Stepping in would have been interfering with something bigger than himself. After shooting Todd, Eagle Elk ran through the field they had parked near and hid the rifle against a tree near a ravine. I had to go see, like, okay, a couple years ago, Google Maps would not have let you zoom in that close to, like, massive areas of country like this. It just, there wouldn't be snapshots of it. You couldn't zoom in really close, like, to street level. Well, a lot of places now you can. So I was able to get down to street level and kind of, like, comb through that highway is incredibly long. But to get it closer to Sharp's Corner and backtrack from there to kind of see where they were and where they were headed. And I am telling you, it is just, it looks like really rough terrain. And it absolutely like, there's like pockets of trees where you can tell that the area like dips down and might be more like a ravine. And I can't imagine it was pitch black out. I mean, unless there was a really bright full moon that night, it was pitch black and they were running through and doing all of this. God, they must have just been terrified themselves and everyone was clearly in over their heads. Well, six months later, Eagle Elk went back and retrieved the rifle because he was afraid that law enforcement officers would find it. He gave it to someone in Oglala, South Dakota, a little over an hour away, still on the reservation. As I said before, the two of them, Gary Littlebull and Stetson Eagle Elk, signed a plea deal. Eagle Elk was sentenced to 18 years in federal prison with three years of supervised release for second-degree murder and aiding and abetting. And Gary, Todd's cousin, was sentenced to 15 years in federal prison with three years of supervised release for second-degree murder. Again, referring to the factual basis statement, both Gary and Eagle Elk saw Todd as a spiritual leader. Todd was very active in the community, and many people sent letters to the judge about how respected and respectful Todd was within the community. This was absolutely a very unique case, and I'm not trying to vilify anyone in sharing it. I really went back and forth on it as I felt like highlighting Todd's struggle in this journey felt kind of inappropriate, but ultimately one of the biggest lessons from this has to be that you can't coat ruining lives over what you assume to be true. According to U.S. Attorney Benjamin Patterson, there are people within the community that still believe Gary and Eagle Elk were not responsible despite their written confessions and plea deals. They still think that LeBeau had something to do with Todd's death. Gary didn't speak at his sentencing where Todd's mother, Regina Littlebull, was present. Her mental and physical health have suffered significantly since the death of her son and even more so after it was connected to his cousin, Gary. And speaking of mental health, I really want to stress to my true crime fans that listening to true crime regularly can actually increase feelings of anxiousness or depression. And it seems counterintuitive to my show's success to say so, but take a break every once in a while. Turn on something that makes you laugh or even just music and dance around. Get outside and inhale and exhale more deeply than you typically would. Listen to some episodes on here that aren't all about death and missing persons. It's important to take care of our mental health. Okay? Cool. Go have a dance party, do whatever makes your energy vibe a little bit higher. In fact, when I'm not researching a case, I yes, they do binge Dateline every now and then, but 
I find myself listening to more uplifting and empowering podcasts or listening to audiobooks or literally just listening to nothing and hearing my ears ring with silence, which is a beautiful noise in my home. So I'm sending love to each and every one of you. Come back later this week for the final episode in the mini manifestation series.